Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of Survivor Social, the Survivor podcast where we discuss Survivor with a focus on the social elements of the game. My name is Tegwith and I am, as always, super stoked to have my co-host David with me. David, how are you doing? I am fantastic and I'm so excited to dig into this episode. How are you? Oh, you know, I'm living living the dream, living the dream, but I uh, can't wait to talk about this episode with you. I was very lucky and got to go on um, the I guess the, not the feedback show, but the show that that uh, Survivor Now does right after um, this show. And I got to talk a little bit about the episode with um, Abraham and Randy. So that was super fun. Um, but I really cannot wait to dive into this episode with you and get really, you know, deep like we usually do. But first and foremost, I do want to know, uh, I mean, we got the auction back and I, we weren't able to talk about the auction uh, because we haven't been on here, just the two of us in a long hot second. So I would love to hear your thoughts on the auction. And I kind of want to give my two cents too. Yeah, I was elated to have the auction back. And although I think that there were tiny suggestions that I would have made to do things differently, overall, I loved the way they handled it. I think they framed it really well. I also love that they gave some throwback footage from previous seasons with auctions that warmed my heart. And yeah, I think it was super fun. My only suggestion, like I said last week, was I wish they didn't say whether or not there would be advantages. So that could have been a little bit more ambiguous because I thought that by the end of the auction, certain players who had the most money each round, if there was a round, they would just throw all out of their all of their money so that they could be safe and you know not lose their vote. So I think that if they had kept it a little bit more ambiguous, it could have been more of an incentive for them to actually potentially play a little riskier. What do you think? Yeah, I totally agree. That was one of the things that I was thinking about when I saw that was I think that they set this up to where they could bring back advantages anytime. Like I think they fixed it in in a way where if advantages were in there, um, it would add some interest, intrigue. Uh, uh, so I totally agree. I really loved it. I was well, I was very fortunate enough to go to the um, fan viewing of it, um, which was I don't think that is just going to be like a memory that I'm going to have like and 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 just it was just amazing um and so being able to you know watch the auction after having just me- met jeff probst uh, or not met but like seen jeff probst um and then you know watch the auction with so many other like survivor fans it was really really cool um and yeah i i you know beggars can be choosers i'm just happy that the auction is back like that's i'm just like i'm i'm not going to complain like i normally do uh, about things because i'm just like genuinely so happy that they listened to us. They brought it back because it's just so much, it's such a fun thing. And, and Ryan and I did a little rewatch of all of the auctions, uh, past, which was really fun. We did it on the TikTok live and it was really fun to just kind of get an idea. So we saw that flashback. We were like, Oh my God, we saw that. Oh, we saw that. Oh, we had like watched it the night before. So that was kind of silly, but, but really fun. And it, it, it did, when we rewatched them, they did get way less interesting by the end. And so they did obviously need to do something about it. So, um, I'm just, you know, I'm so happy that, that it's back. Um, but I'm really excited to dig in this episode. As always, before we start, make sure you listeners uh, like and subscribe to Survivor Now on YouTube and Spotify. And if you have any hot takes of your own that you want to, you know, talk about, be heard, if you have a question for us, send us a message on our Instagram at Survivor Socialites or at our email, SurvivorSocialPod at gmail.com, and we'll read them here. Speaking of which, we do have some questions. Um, which I'm really excited to get into. So let's start. Um, John had an, a message on Instagram and asked if someone plays um, the objectively best game, 
of the season, but has political and social views that are antithesis of yours, would you vote for them at final tribal council? Oof. <laughs> That's such an interesting question. Because here's the thing. I honestly don't know if you learn, and I obviously I'm not on Survivor, but I I feel like you're, you know, everyone's in, in it to win a million dollars, right? So whenever you're talking with people, whenever you're socializing, whenever you're doing all that stuff, you do have like jury votes in in your mind. You do have that at the end. And so I honestly don't know if that's one something that would even like that that even comes up because you're trying not to I don't know, alienate anybody that could be a potential vote. Because if I found out something like that, I probably would not vote to have like get them to get a million dollars. Um, but I feel like it just isn't something that is the main focus of conversation. You're trying to keep it light. If you're not talking about survivor, you're probably trying to keep it light or you're probably talking about food. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're wrong, but I just feel like you wouldn't really want to potentially risk one vote of yours. So I just feel like it's probably not the main topic of conversation. That's true. Although it may not be a main topic of conversation, I do think that people will say things mm -hmm. maybe indirectly that can imply their beliefs. And I also think that learning about people, where they come from, what, what information they do share, I do think that over the course of a long game like Survivor, that you are able to learn a significant amount about people. That being said, yeah, most people are probably not trying to, you know, make anyone feel like an outlier or different or othered by their beliefs and they'll probably try and seem especially inclusive if they aren't already. Um, but that being said, I think that I would have a really hard time voting for someone if I felt like this person doesn't want me to have rights as, for mm -hmm. example, a gay man or this person um, is bigoted in some way. And I think it would be really, really hard for me to cast my vote for that person um, for many reasons. But if they played objectively the best game, are you, do you want to be the fool on the, on the jury who says, I'm not, you know, voting for this person, even though they obviously outmaneuvered everybody else. But at the same time, as Phil and I were discussing last week, Juries can vote however they want. And that's mm -hmm. the beauty of the jury system. And it changes every season. And each person on the jury is allowed to vote however they want. They earn that right by getting that far in the game. So although it could potentially be unpopular to vote for someone if you, they didn't play the best game, I think like I would probably end up going with my heart, which I know is not a very popular opinion in this very, you know, strategic and like strategy appreciative new era but that's just me i don't know well and here's the thing like yeah i i feel like people always think that when they go on the jury they're going to be completely unbiased and completely like objective to the game but the thing that you have to remember is when you go on survivor you are a human first and foremost so when we saw for example this week when d was talking about how difficult it was to vote out kelly um that's because Dee and Kelly are very close. When I went to that that uh, the fan screening, Kelly got came, which was really really cool. And she was like, "So one thing that they didn't show this much in the season is how close Dee and I were on the beach." And so Dee was like, "Yeah, that was. I mean, she had to do what she had to do, but she she definitely had you know the baggage that came with it. It wasn't just like a game bot move. Nobody really, not very few people, go out on Survivor and are just one hundred percent game bots. And they also realize that there are real implications." of a million dollars in the real world. 
which is why maybe some people didn't, for example, vote for Mike White because Mike White, you know, is a producer, was on The Amazing Race, is a writer, wrote School of Rock, was in School of Rock. Uh, And so having money out in the real world is a real reason why, I mean, a million dollars is not like, like a fake amount of money. Like that's a quite, that's, that's a, that's a life changing amount of money. Uh, And so, you know, it's not, the survivor is not void of, of the real world, which is something that is, uh, I think people forget. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a wonderful point. And I really like the example about Mike White because that's hard when you're a known entity and people know that you have accomplished a lot in life and you're probably pretty wealthy. But, you know, if people could go back, I bet the the jury of David versus Goliath may have voted a little differently. But, you know, that's right. that's that on that. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, uh, do you want to read a question, David? Sure. So Penny emailed us asking... Just getting into Survivor, and I started with a new era. I feel like it's just about big moves for the sake of big moves. Which earlier seasons should I watch? Ooh, great this question. is a great question. Tegwith, great what question. are you thinking? Well, so first and foremost, I feel her saying the new era, like I feel like it's the big moves for the sake of big moves, I think is correct for a lot of it. But I, I do feel like, I feel like there are waves in Survivor because when you go out on Survivor, you're going to take... there's kind of like a recency bias. You're going to take what you just saw before you left. So for example, in this case, in season um, 45, they had just, they had watched throughout the middle of 44, I believe, Um, uh, or maybe not even that far. Um, And so they take that into account when they go out on the beach. And so I think that, you know, for example, when people saw like Erica go through, right? Like Erica was very on the low and then she ended up winning. So I feel like, you know, it, it, it goes in goes in waves. But what, what earlier season? That's like a huge question. So the, 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 the season I always recommend people start with is China. I've said it a couple of times on here. I think it's a really good first new cast. Uh, a good new, like uh, all newbies, I mean. Um, I think that it's not so twist heavy that if you go back and watch the earlier stuff, it's not going to be like boring. I'm using air quotes because it's, I don't think it's boring, but some people like say that without the twists, without the advantages, whatever, it might, might be a little bit slower, but so then it's not like so advantage heavy that it's like, you know, it shocks you when there's none, but you kind of learn the basics of survivor. You learn what immunity is and so forth. There are big moves. It's a, it's a good cast. Um, and also it's in standard definitions so that when you go back and watch other standard definition things, you're not like just used to the high def. Um, which I think is a silly reason, but I do kind of think that it's a thing. Um, so I always definitely say China, but if we're just saying like, not your first season, but just go back and watch a season, um, I would then probably say maybe San Juan del Sur. I love San Juan del Sur. So what do you think? I think those are great choices. And I think that both of those seasons, although there are some really impressive strategic maneuvers, a lot of it is relationship driven and it's really fun i think to see strategy but when there have there when there has been a lead up to it based on the social social aspect of the game and then repercussions from a social perspective and look penny if you're not looking for huge crazy social or i'm sorry strategic maneuvers and you just want to see crazy personalities doing crazy things then i cannot emphasize more watching survivor gabon Mm -hmm. Um, Also watching Survivor Panama Exile Island. Those are two seasons where, yes, 
there is some strategy, maybe not a lot, a lot but there is definitely uh, a whole bunch of characters who are very eclectic and compelling and sometimes fall into the, the quote unquote trashy reality TV trope, which I personally love. I think that's, you know, food for the soul. So Penny, go do, do a little sampling, Penny, and, and report back. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, you can't really go wrong. If you're, if you're watching Survivor already in the new era, I think you just close your eyes and pick a season and, and I think you'll, you'll really enjoy it. Maybe stay away from the returnees, the, like the fully returnees are the ones that you haven't seen just cause it's, it's not, it's more fun to get the backstory behind like what's going on, who these people are, their relationships to other people. Um, but yeah, I think you just kind of go mm, that one kind of a thing. <laughs> why, why not? Right. Yeah. Um, all right, so this one is interesting. It's not really a question, but we did get something. So a former Survivor contestant who would like like to remain nameless says, not really a question, but Tyson saying winners at war was decided before they hit the beach is just an excuse for why he didn't perform well. Um, I'm not aware of Tyson saying this. David, do you know what this is? It's funny because after I received this message from this anonymous Survivor contestant, I did uh, stumble upon this on Reddit, and I believe Tyson said something uh, on his podcast to the extent that, yeah, Winners at War was, you know, predetermined because of the the pregame and everyone's relationships. And look, I wasn't there. I don't I don't know what to believe. I, I I'm sure that a lot of uh, a lot of the game was influenced by pregame relationships. That's how a lot of returning seasons work. You're friends with these people. You hobnob with them at these social events. You know them. You know their families. Things get messy, and I'm sure that affects the game. But this person seems to believe that um, this is just an excuse for Tyson. But I don't know if I necessarily I don't know if I believe that. But this person, this this unnamed Survivor contestant, is coming in hot. Yeah, I well, here's the thing. Like, I, I what what was the what was um the first blood versus water when it was uh, Candace and her boyfriend, husband, fiance, whoever. I mm -hmm. mean, the 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 theory is is that she was kind of voted out early on because she was not originally in the cast, uh, and so everyone had pre-gamed with other people, and so because they weren't a part of her, or they uh, was that the season? Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. Um. And so I think that pre, yeah, pre, pre-standing relationships are very important um, on Survivor, which is why uh, on a regular season of Survivor, you're not cast with people that you know, because, you know, it, it makes it not as objective or anything like that. But when it comes to, I mean, we, we all know how these live Survivor events are. There are people that you know, there are, the, there are group chats, there's everything. Um, so I feel like it, I, I feel like predetermined is a, is a big big stretch but i feel yeah. like there maybe were alliances ahead of time and things like I'm that sure. not everyone got together and shook their hands and be like okay it is tony and we have decided you know what i mean like <laughs> right um but you know if, if that's the way tyson feels that's the way tyson feels i can't i can't prove i i don't think anyone can prove that right or wrong no i just think it's interesting that tyson um is is using that as a reason for his his performance on winners at war when the season that he won spoiler alert here folks was a returnee season well half returnee season it was blood versus water so obviously it sort of worked out for him i'm yep. not saying he didn't maneuver super well i think he played a very impressive game that season I particularly love his use of uh, milking his injury with his shoulder or arm regardless Tyson won a season where that was the case. So 
it's interesting to see that he likes it in certain perspectives, certain perspectives, but doesn't like it in others. So, all right. Um, well, if you, former Survivor contestant, want to name yourself and come out and start a beef with Tyson on social media, we will be glad to um, host this proverbial boxing match here yep. on Survivor Social. Absolutely. Retweet, retweet. We have one uh, final question. Do you want to read it? Yes. Ooh, this one is from a good friend of mine, Jonathan. Jonathan, if you are listening, I'm very happy you sent this question in. He said, okay, what do you consider crossing the line in strategy? Because lying and backstabbing is okay, but what do you consider too much? Other than straight up physically threatening someone, of course, is there anything that is just straight up dirty? I think that's a great question because I think it, I get annoyed when people go on Survivor or Big Brother, Boy Jane, and um, don't want to actually play the game. Uh, they don't, they, they, they think that them not lying or them, you know, whatever, it makes them better than other people when you're there for a considerably large amount of money that again, like I said earlier, is life changing. So um, if you're not there to pl play the game, then don't, don't go. Like if it, don't pretend that that strategy is better than any other strategy. It is a strategy that you are using, uh, which, you know, yeah, you might not be lying, but you're still manipulating the truth in order for people to like you. So that's still a strategy and it doesn't make you better. That's what I have to say on that. Um, but I do think that you can go too far. And I think by going too far, I think when you bring your own or their family members into it and like, I I've never liked it when people like, unless they actually mean it when they like swear on somebody else, uh, especially on their kids. Uh, I, I don't, I don't love that personally. Um, because I don't know, it's, there's something about it that like, just seems like a little icky. Uh, and so like using, I'm not saying that like using what you're going through isn't do that. Like, you know, use your personal experiences, whatever, but there's like, <clears throat> I think there's kind of a line in like bringing, you know, manipulating people based on like their relationships or their other, you know, outsides. Um, so that, but I am backstabbing, bring it on like lying, of course. But I just think that, you know, if you bring like other family members or whatever into this, I think it's, it's, to me, it's a little icky. What about you? It's very tricky. It's incredibly tricky. And I think you can use these, these lies and deceptions more when you know the people that you're working with in the cast. Mm -hmm. So I think the reason why Johnny Fair plays Dead Grandma Lie was so effective when it was, was because it was later in the game. And I think it curried more favor because people got to know him a little bit more. And same thing with Twyla. It hurt more when she swore on her son's name and then took it back because it was later in the game and people really loved and appreciated her as a person so i think that if you're gonna go for those really gnarly egregious lies i think you have to be aware of who the jury is mm -hmm. or is going to be composed of and use that as sort of a litmus to ask yourself can i pull this off and if it does get revealed and i do get discovered is it gonna blow up in my face mm -hmm. or will they just be like okay I guess that's a good game move. I guess it, it's really tricky. It's a big, big, big gamble. So my 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 suggestion to the people who want to go into Survivor and say that, you know, all of your belongings got yeah, swept away in Hurricane Katrina like Russell Hands, um, take a few acting classes yep. and really commit to it. I don't know. I'm not endorsing this because um, I don't particularly love it either. Um, 
but if you're going to do it, I do say it well. commit to it and do yeah. it really fucking well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing here is like, that's not to say that I, as a viewer did not absolutely love when Johnny Fairplay lied about his grandmother. That's one of the funniest uh, bits I think I'd ever No, Granted when I first watched it, I was appalled. I was appalled, but granted Pearl Islands was, I think the second season that I watched. So like I had started with China and then I watched Pearl Islands, I think. Uh, and so I was a, I was a newbie. Like I still didn't like Courtney crazy. Um, like, you know, I was just like, didn't understand what entertaining television was, I think at that time. Um, but then I watched it again. I was like, this is objectively amazing and great television. <laughs> um, so as a viewer, 10 out of 10, amazing. Yes, please more. But as a player, you know, I, there are some things that are, that are, that are tough, that are tough. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, if you have any questions like these about the episode, about Survivor in general, make sure to send us um, any and all of your questions because we love to discuss them. We love all old school, new school, new era, everything. Bring it all on. Um, but let's get into the episode. You ready? Oh, yeah. All right. So a couple of things. Uh, I, I know I, I just want to say I love that we have the previously on Survivor back. I know that it's been like many, many episodes, but like Jeff saying previously on Survivor, oh, my heart melts. It melts. I love it so much. I know it's old <laughs> news, but it's just like every single time I'm just like smiling ear to ear. Um, okay. But just to give you some context of what was happening. So auction is back. Like we already talked about only a couple new twists, but no advantages. Um, Bruce lost his, uh, lost his vote in the auction, but then he won immunity. So he was relevant at that tribal council. Jake thought he was going home, but Austin and Drew decided to blindside Kelly um, and the Reba, you know, Reba four decided to blindside Kelly at tribal council. It worked perfectly. Jake uses shot in the dark. So now that, and it was not safe. Um, and then Kelly ended up going home. Uh, it was about was, you know, very, very upsetting personally. Uh, I hated it, but I liked that we got right back when we started this episode, it was right back from tribal, uh, immediate reactions. We got, uh, Kendra, you know, cheers thing to Kelly, like she had died. Um, which I loved. It was such a, uh, uh, very melodramatic moment, but it was amazing, but she was super blindsided. I mean, like crying. Yeah. Do you think that you, I mean, if you were, if you're like closest ally, we're out, we're out there and you, you were blindsided with them. You would probably feel that, feel that hard. Right. I would. I would be so grateful that it would be nighttime when you got back from tribal, because I would probably cry a little bit Yeah. for many reasons. One, if I'm close with someone, that's the person I'm confiding in. And it's hard to feel like you're ostracized and you don't have that really close person that you can, you know, be fully transparent with because it's hard having your guard up in this game. Secondly, I would be like, my game is a lot more difficult now without that really close ally. So I would be mourning the fact that my game just got that much harder. So yeah, I'd probably cry, probably be an ugly cry. And I would hope that they didn't film it, but they would. <laughs> they definitely would. Uh, and the the thing to add insult to injury on, as specifically when Kendra was out there like upset, we could hear in the background Jake being immensely happy because Jake thought he was going home. Jake thought he was donezo. He play, you don't play your shot in the dark unless you're Matthew or unless you're going home. Like you think you're going home, um, you know. And so he really thought that that it was him. And so he was blindsided as well in a good way. So he's there celebrating. And so we hear him celebrating while Kendra is like crying on the beach by herself. And he's just like, you know, doing a little jig. Cause he's just happy to be there. You know? Yeah. That's rough. And I it, feel was, like it was, it was rough to watch. When it's a challenge and someone wins and you lose, that's expected. Those people cry 
and happiness and they'll cheer. And as the loser, you just kind of have to, you know, lick your wounds and get on with it. But I think when it's a vote out, that's a whole other level of, of pain. And again, I'm glad it would be dark because if I was in Kendra's position, I heard someone cheering. I don't like cockiness as a game player. I don't like people flaunting things in front of me as a game player. So I'm sure I would be beyond irked. Um, so I just wanted to give Kendra a, a great big hug. And I'm also just really sad that the the three women from Bellow have been broken up, you know, like that alliance from day one, I was a huge proponent of, and I was hoping that one of them would make it to the end. And there's still hope for Katora, but there's still hope. A, little, a little sad. I'm crossing my fingers. Well, speaking of the Bellow, um, Bruce realized if Kelly, Kelly, he was also blindsided. And Kelly was his closest person, his his number one to him. And so he was like, you know, if I didn't have this, I probably would be going home. Not only that, he found out that Kelly wanted him out. That was a that whole arc of him, kind of the self-discovery or or the maybe the questioning that he had, that was incredibly interesting television. Uh, incredibly, I, I thought that that was very compelling. What did you think about that whole like segment? Well, I want to dig into a little bit the reaction of Bruce when he like reflects and is a little introspective. And I want to say this to you, Bruce. Bruce, I feel for you. I do. Believe me, it's hard. I'm sure it's so much harder than any of us can possibly imagine having not been in that situation. That being said, Kelly, your number one ally, you said was your number one ally, by the way, came to you and said that you should probably change things up. So I do feel for you. However, your number one ally came to you urging you to play differently. If that wasn't enough of an awakening, then this was it. This is what it took. I wish that you had been more more open to, to Kelly talking to you very directly because I think that maybe you could have come to this realization sooner and it would have helped your game. Sorry. Interesting. I, I kind of I agree with that. I will say one of the things that I I I I thought was interesting about the segment was I think in old school Survivor we would have never seen this. Hmm. In old school Survivor we would have never seen him contemplating ha- what this means uh, to him as a human, what this means to him and his daughter, what this means. We would have just seen because you know in old school Survivor they would have edited him, they would have edited Bruce to be the villain most likely. Like a Bruce Gatora, maybe like a, you know, Sugar Randy kind of, you know, not saying that either of them are like the other two, but, you know, that that kind of like thing. And we would have just kind of, we would have never gotten this human moment for him from him. And that's why I think I think the producers and the editors are very highly aware of the hate and the vitriol that these players get online. Even if you're loved, even if you are beloved on a cast, you are still getting hate somewhere in some shape or form. Uh, um, And so I think that they have been shying away from editing quote unquote villains because the hate that Jerry received without social media, I mean, she was booed off a stage. Um, And uh, that was, I mean, that was, you know, really hard for her. And imagine what that editing for her would be like now, if she, if it was just like that now, she would be getting, I mean, just so much hate on social media in real life, all of that stuff. And so I think that like, it was a very human thing to see. And I think that it was interesting because I don't think that we would have gotten this little bit about Bruce 
if it had been like 10 years earlier, 15 years earlier, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, that that is an incredibly good point. And I also want to take this as an opportunity to say to everybody listening and wherever you are seeing this or viewing this, do not condone this. Do not allow this. If you see this, shut it down. If it's hateful, report it. And do not be that person to disseminate and spew hate towards people because this is a game. At the end of the day, this is a TV product. It's a game. And regardless, no one signed up to be hated, thrown shit at, crapped on. They do not deserve this. So absolutely unacceptable. And I agree. I think I think back to when Jerry Manthe was booed off the stage at the reunion of Survivor All-Stars. And it breaks my heart because this is a game at the end of the day. And she's a real person. I know we talk about these people in, in the realm of editing and characters. but these are people with feelings. Keep that in mind, folks. Yeah. That being said, I'm, I'm definitely going to like criticize uh, Drew at some points and the way he acts. But that doesn't mean that I don't like him as a person. And I'm not saying that he's a bad person. And I think we have to separate and be willing to say, okay, maybe there are parts of this that I do not like. Yeah. But there, that doesn't mean that I'm going to send hate to someone or say that they are terrible or besmirch their good name because these people work really hard to get here. And I believe in all of these people as as good people. Yes, I agree. Retweet, second that, boost. Yes, please. Um, all right. So we're going to uh, – it's still this nighttime. It's still night after the vote. And immediately – Kendra and Katora begin talking about how D is the biggest threat on Reba and they need to target her as soon as possible. First and foremost, what do you think about that? Do you think that D is the biggest threat on Reba right now? Absolutely. Well, probably along with Austin, but they don't realize that Austin is, you know, holding this much power, right? But I think that D and Julie, really good pair. Drew and Austin, really good pair. Put those two pairs together and you got a really strong four. So I think both of them, Austin and D, are both in power positions. So I worry for D because everyone's sort of recognizing the fact that she's playing out front. And this episode did not help her case at all because she was very, very adamant about how the vote was going to go. Um, so I'm I'm a little worried for D, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little worried for her too. Um, but then here's the thing that I was curious because, right. So obviously at this point in the episode, they didn't know the twist that was going to be happening later on. But at this point in the episode, if we do some quick little math, Reba had four, Bello has four and Lulu has one to me, that seems like, you know, not, uh, there's to me, there's no power four when it's a four, four, one. And Katura then saw herself as a swing position where she could either side with old Reba or, you know, with Bello, and she decides to go over and tell Reba about this, right? Yeah, I think I the don't... difference is that even though the numbers are the numbers on paper, I think the Reba numbers are actually a lot more solidified. And I think the Bello numbers are fractured. I think that Jake is genuinely just there. He comes back from Tribal saying like, wow, I'm still here. This is amazing. And if someone's that shaky and they know that they're on the bottom, they're not a solid number. It's not like everyone who's left on Bello is really strong and tight. So I would argue that even though the numbers are the same on paper, based on old tribal lines, the old Reba is a lot more solidified. 
Yeah, no, I mean, they definitely are. And, and, and I think it's actually quite impressive how solidified they are. It's just like so frustrating to me to see four people who seem to not feel like they have any agency, but if they just look to their left and look to their right, there's their agency. They're like begging mm -hmm. to be a part of this Reba and like sending, giving them information. And it's no fault. That means that Reba's doing their job because they're either helping to reinforce the, the, the splits between Bellow. They are, you know, helping to solidify bonds between individuals on Bellow. Like Reba is playing it beautifully so far. Beautifully. Yeah, I and completely agree. It's, 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 it's so, but it's so frustrating for somebody who, when I'm watching and obviously, you know, Katora and Bruce don't really get along that well. Um, you know, Jake is just kind of like there. Uh, and then Kendra is just, was just blindsided and her number one is now out of the game. And so I feel like she's just like trying to find her footing. It's just like so much is, so much is happening to make them kind of be further and further apart and Reva keep coming closer and closer together. And this is kind of skipping ahead, but not really, but the fact that Austin has two idols and we're in the final eight and no one has seemed to target him yet. Bonkers to me. That's bonkers. That's some good social game right there. That's incredibly good social game. Yeah. I think that Austin is very well positioned and as I've been saying previously, he's he's either going to flame out in a blaze of glory or he could possibly win it all. And I'm really interested to see how he progresses. And to touch back on Bello for a second, I think that there comes a point in the game where if your tribe, your, your original tribe is fractured, you sort of are at a crossroads and you're like, do I just play my game as a, like an individual person or do I try and cling on to the group that I once had? And I think a lot of them have made that jump, that irreversible jump to be playing for themselves rather than playing as a unit. And we hear that with Bruce at the reward later where he says, there are no tribal lines anymore, which there obviously are. Old Reva is just perhaps hiding a lot better than Bruce can, can perceive. but it seems like the old Bellow has just decided that they've broken up and the band could get back together. They could if they so desired. It would probably be in their best interest, but I don't think that any of them are going to choose that anymore. I think it's gotten to the point where they said, this is the decision that I've made. I'm going to try and be a free agent, quote unquote, whatever that means. I always think of Randy Bruce when, when I hear the quote free agent. So Randy, I want you to know anytime I ever hear that term on Survivor or I read about it on Reddit, I automatically think of you, my friend. And yeah, I think that Bello is just too too um, separated and shattered to come back together, even though it would probably be in their best interest. Yeah, and I think that it'd be really, it would be shocking, but I think it'd be really impressive if one of the Bello could like band the people together. I don't think it's going to happen, but I, you know, I just, I just wish it would have, Oh my God. You want to know why I don't think it's going to happen? Because the person who would have done that would have been Kelly and yeah. she's gone. And she's gone. Yep. I think you're absolutely 100% right. Which is an amazing strategic move to get rid of her then, which I know we're talking about last episode at this point, but they located who the glue was and they got all the little macaroni pieces to just separate and without their glue, they're just a bunch of macaroni pieces pushed up against to each other, each other, but they're not really held together. 
All right, yeah. we've, we've talked about this for far too long. <laughs> no such thing. No such thing. But we go to the next morning and we talked a little about Bruce kind of spiraling. He he got, was very upset about, you know, that he was maybe dragging her game, maybe not definitely dragging her game down, how this means his the implications in his day-to-day -day life. But then Drew also realized that Bruce was upset and sad um, and, uh, and said, you know, he's playing this imaginary version of the game in his head, but now he has to, you know, you know, confront, confront the reality of the situation, which number one, I think it's a very interesting moment. It was a very interesting moment. Just, you know, it was a confessional, I think. And, but also it's just like, this is kind of, this is, he boiled survivor down into just this one thing, right? Perception is reality. And what you have going on in your head as a player is not necessarily what others perceive you as or, you know, whatever. And that is the actual reality. So you might think, so for example, Carolyn, you know, she was keeping her, her, everything that she was doing kind of under the, uh, under the radar to a certain point, pretending that she's just kind of like crazy, all this stuff, whatever. And, you know, playing that up and then, but if they, the other players don't see that you have the agency, but the fans do you know, they're not going to vote for somebody who they don't think actually has the agency because their perception is the actual reality of everything. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I thought that, you know, Drew kind of saying this just showed what Survivor is, is, is you might not always, your intentions are not necessarily what's actually happening, uh, which I thought was very interesting. I think so too. And I want to give props to Drew because I have been critical um, of him. And I think that this was a great, analysis and the thing i want to add is a big question for you tegwith do you think that people are able to see the situation more clearly when they're in control and at the top and do you think that oftentimes the perspectives that can be a little bit more diluted are from people who are at the bottom like i automatically think of um jason siska and survivor micronesia where he's like what are you talking about? Like, we'll be fine, Eliza. We'll just use this stick and everything will be fine. And he's just, you know, still not really understanding the gravity of the situation. But do you think it takes to be in the in crowd or in the power seat or power position to be able to really see the situation for what it is? Do you think that Bruce is not seeing it fully because he's not really in control? I think honestly... I think that's a, first off, I think it's a very interesting question because here's the thing. Control can shift so quickly in Survivor. And so I think that you see what you think is happening. And so for a point in time, I think if you are in control, then you can actually see everything that's happening probably pretty clearly. But if you lose that control, which can happen in a blink of an eye, sometimes it happens even faster than that. Um, then you're, you're, you're kind of like spiraling. If you have the, the, ability to be separated from a situation, obviously you're going to have a slightly different perspective than when you're inside of it. So when I'm, you know, this is a very silly thing, but when I'm not silly, but like kind of a depressing analysis, but when my, I'm from Florida, when my parents would get hit by a hurricane sitting up here in New York, I can see the full picture of what's going on with the hurricane. I can literally see the clouds. I can see how far they are from the eye. I can analyze things, but when my parents are in the hurricane. All they see is like high winds and heavy rain. And they're, they're just like, you know, in it. Um, and so when you're playing a game like Survivor, when you're actually not in it and you're not like grasping at straws and trying to claw your way up, then you have that ability to separate yourself and you can see the whole picture. 
not always correctly. Cause like I said, you can lose that very easily, but if you have the, if you feel like you have the, the, the space, then I feel like you can analyze slightly more. Um, but I, I don't think that really anyone is truly, there have been very few players that are truly quote in the power position for a very extended period of time. I would be thinking probably like Boston, Rob, Kim, you know, maybe Tony, but probably not even, you know what I mean? Like no one's yeah. really, no one's really up there that long. And so you always feel it at some period of time. I'd be very shocked if these four are sitting comfortably up there for, you know, longer than this next episode. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I think that's a wonderful perspective and and very realistic because you're right it does change and people don't sit in that position for very long and I think what separates good survivor players from fantastic survivor players is the ability to have that change of perspective even when you're not in that position and I think of people who like Sari who are able to have that 360 vision no matter what's going on and what position they're in and sort of like take themselves out of it and really clock what's going on um, which I think is an incredibly hard skill, but I really commend Drew, whether he's in a great position or not, to be able to say this so well um, and really clock the perception of of Bruce. So bravo, Drew. Yeah, I'm really liking I'm liking Drew more and more as a storyteller kind of uh, throughout the season. I'm not saying he's like my absolute favorite, but I'm, I'm kind of liking his perspective more and more as the season goes on. Mm -hmm. um, very quickly, we see Emily talk to uh, Drew and Austin, um, her, you know, closest allies in the games right game right now uh, about potentially targeting D. So this is the second time we've heard D in this episode. Uh, Austin talks her out of it. Um, uh, and he, you know, understands that. But he totally understands Emily. Um, and, you know, he's telling her, you know, kind of like, this is why we don't want to do it right now, blah, blah, blah. Personally, if I were Emily, that would be a red flag immediately. Immediately red flag. Um, because the fact that they're not, they're kind of entertaining it, but not, but they just like shifted so quickly makes me feel like if I were Emily, I'd be like, oh man, okay. So I feel like they're closer to her than they are to me, which is the truth. And I think maybe Emily sees that at the end of this episode. I think that maybe she sees that she's staunchly in number five and not maybe in three where she thought she was. Um, but what do you, what did you think about this whole moment about this, you know, the five, the Reba and Emily? I don't know what the alternative is for Emily. Go with the shattered, broken band of misfits of Bello. Like she's not necessarily in the best position, but I don't think that it's going to come down to um repercussions for emily in the next couple votes i think she's probably going to be fine for the next couple votes while these two sides continue to war but i think for the long term yeah emily should be asking herself like is this really the best for me um and i think the only thing that i really took umbrage with was the fact that this whole exchange happened so amicably and i think that austin was like you know that's a really good point and emily's like yeah I'm a little concerned about this. And that's what I'm really disappointed about with new era of Survivor. This is just too friendly, too amicable. I want to see people get mad at each other. And again, maybe it's just because I just finished rewatching Survivor Exile Island. But I want to hear someone like Shane just call someone's apartment shitty and threaten to attack them. Okay, maybe not do that. But <laughs> I just like the craziness and the antics of these personalities clashing. And although I think there are like little things where we get like Katura being annoyed with Bruce and we get Jake being a little much a tribal council, we're not seeing any real like I am going to openly fight with this person or like go out of my way and be like, no, I disagree with you. 
And that's what hurts my heart about New Era of Survivor. Like, I feel like everyone's just sort of like, I'm just going to put on a happy face and make (laughs) these moves behind the scenes. And it's like, why not just like stab someone from the front? Yeah. Try that for once. Sorry. No, I totally get what you mean. I think the closest we've got to a fight was with Owen and James in 43. And that was like barely a fight. That was like not really even a fight. You know, <laughs> like, uh, I think that that's a great observation. And absolutely, yeah, it was very amicable. It was like, I disagree with you for now, but we'll continue playing. And uh, it's so, it's, you know, it's it's the game. I feel like the game has evolved so much that it's like very much, you know, I don't know, you're playing like professional baseball and not really, you know, going as in as you used to. Um, but then we saw tree mail again. I love seeing tree mail. That made me so happy. I love what it, what was your, what was your thought about tree mail? I love tree mail and every, every capacity. I love the walking to tree mail. I like the drama and conflama and glitter and all of the fun and glee of going to get tree mail and opening it and like seeing what's in it. Um, my favorite tree mail instance in the history of Survivor is in Survivor Vanuatu after they've had a challenge with a pig wherein Eliza Orleans is unable to grab a pig and everyone's like mad that they lost and she's like, I should have been the one to open and close the gate. I shouldn't have been the one to have to try and grab a pig. And then at tree mail is a pig and Eliza has to be the one to like wrangle this pig all the way back from camp. Survivor Gold, gold. If you have not watched Survivor Vanuatu after this podcast, go watch it immediately, immediately. Um, But this tree mail in particular, I really didn't like uh, the message itself because I think it's something along the lines of like, blah, 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 this should cause anxiety beyond words. And it's like, don't tell us how we should feel. I could just hear Jeff being like, we're going to like... Stoke the flames by stressing them out when they read it. It's like, okay, the stakes are already high. They know one of them is going to be eliminated. Like, calm down. I don't mm. know. I liked I liked it when, when the tree mills used to rhyme. Yeah. Maybe I'm just a purist, but. No, I like it. I like it. I like riddles. I think it's fun when they have to kind of figure it out. I also wasn't, I didn't love that. I also very much didn't love dividing them into three groups of three. I've never liked when they kind of eliminate systematically and then go to the end and do like an endurance thing at the end. I don't find that interesting. I don't find that very compelling. Just do the endurance thing. It just, I don't know, for some reason, for some reason really, really bugs me. And the fact that they're on a team, I will, we'll get into the challenge after, after a little, you know, in a little bit, but, um, I just feel like, you know, don't, I don't like, I liked they had to break themselves into teams. It wasn't a rock draw. So there at least is a positive. I'm going to find a positive sometimes when I say a negative. Um, but I just feel like it's, it, it, it disincentivizes people, not disincentivizes, but, but what's the word I'm looking for? Like disenfranchises people. Like it's, it's an individual, this part, it's supposed to be an individual game. It's supposed to be the part where it turns into an individual game. It's individual immunity. It's not team immunity. Uh, it's not, you know, this group of three or else you lose your vote. Um, and so I didn't like that they broke up into three, but you know, I like that they didn't know what they were doing. So, you know, everyone was anticipating that the group of each group of three might need to vote somebody out, which is an insane thing to think at nine. <laughs> It's insane. But you don't know. Like, I know you don't know. That's true. But like Survivor has to have a certain number of episodes like that. I do That's know true. Survivor true. has to have a certain number of episodes because I'm pretty sure that they have to air a certain number of ads. You're and right. They have 
you know, a certain slot. And one thing I will always say is I think people forget that Survivor is a TV show first and foremost and a game second. They're there for ratings. They're there for ads. They're there for that. It's a TV show. Uh, and so the fact that I literally was like, the fact that they would not be voting out three people at nine, meaning that they would be losing like two episodes. A right third of their cast? Yeah. At that That's, point? Yeah, that would have been that ridiculous. Be, if that ever happened on Survivor, someone should go check on Jeff Probst. Go check and make sure he's okay. Because I don't think that he you know, would be making in his right mind to make that decision at nine at nine. I feel like he would definitely do something like that at like 13. Yeah. That's a very good point. Um, and if you're listening and you would go check on Jeff probes, do it anyway. I'm a little <laughs> concerned to begin with if I'm being completely transparent and yeah, split up people into groups for a reward challenge. Yeah. But for immunity, what is the point of having an actual merge, giving them a different buff if you're just going to say, you know, you guys are going to have to compete in groups. What is the point? I do not understand. Is it just because they're like, we heard that Tegwith did not like the challenges, so we will be modifying it, but we're going to do it our way. It's like, hmm, we're not going to let Tegwith really win. No. I Yeah, that was just like, I don't know. It just seems so weird. But, you know, we'll... we'll We'll talk a little bit more um, about the challenge in a second, but we are going to go into our first ad break of the episode. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit more after about the challenge right after this. Hi, Survivor Now podcast listeners. I am Katie from KT Designs, better known as Katie Tedesco Art on both Instagram and Etsy. I have been designing and selling Survivor products for over seven years at my Etsy shop, including replicas like hidden immunity idols and Survivor trading cards with all of the players' stats on the back. I am so grateful for Survivor Now for giving me this shout out and helping me reach even more super fans. I love listening to their podcast. So if you are looking for some really unique reality TV products for yourself or to give a super fan in your life, come check out my Etsy shop at www.etsy.com slash shop slash katietedescoart.com. All right, and we're back. So let's get into the challenge. We usually don't talk about the challenge, but um, this one, as we, you know, we kind of hinted at before the break, um, you know, it was kind of a weird one. So groups of three ran an obstacle course in three stages, um, balancing a ball, walking on a balance beam, build a rope bridge, and then land balls on high rings, um, as you know, the individuals hold discs, uh, with a stretched out arm. Um, so, or sorry, like this, like this. And also Jeff Probst was wrong. A man had won it in a, in, in a previous yeah, Jeff, if you're going to get a fact wrong about Survivor, maybe don't do it with one of the seasons that's on Netflix right now that a lot yeah. of people have seen. Like, maybe do it from, like, I don't know, Survivor Fiji or Thailand or Guatemala or someone some that someone hates, but not co-wrong. Not co-wrong, Jeff. And also, just to add to that, why would the editors, were, so, were they trying to, like, pull one on Jeff? They were like, haha, we're going to put this in because he was wrong. Because that was, he said that when he wasn't, like, the camera wasn't on him. That could have been edited out in post very easily were they doing it to show that like oh my god jeff's also human i don't know it was very weird that moment was check on jeff hashtag check on jeff check on jeff hashtag check on jeff immediately literally no ryan clocked it right away i didn't even notice that he said that and ryan clocked it was like no that's wrong that's incorrect and look you know what he is 
He is a man who has been doing this since 2000. I am not going to, you know, come down on him for not remembering something. But don't air it. Someone have a fact checker here. Why would you need to keep that in? Was it just to piss us off? Or was it just so they could cast another Emily Flippin who said, I'm just applying for this show simply because of the fact that Jeff didn't remember this fact. And I am completely irritated by that. And I'm going to win just despite all of the people who got that fact wrong. I would love that. That person is me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but, okay, so first stage, uh, you cross over the balance beam and then you dig up the little ladder rungs. Um, the first people eliminated um, were Austin, Emily, and Katora. Um, They lost their vote or they, in theory, lost their vote. Um, they, you know, could in th- maybe win it back when they went on their journey. Next stage um, was they had to build a ladder bridge and then, like, land a ball on the thing. Um, and who went out there? That was Kendra. Nope. I lied. That was a lie. That was D and the other two people that were with D. And, um, then finally, uh, it was, um, Kendra, Bruce and Julie at the end with the fingertips and Bruce ended up winning a second time in a row. Um, very impressive, uh, by all three people. Let me just say. Uh, I, I think that that would be one that I would really not enjoy doing. I would not like to do. Um, but I just am like shocked that Kendra was like contorted. Like she looked like she was like very uncomfortable. Um, but you know, Bruce ecstatically put that necklace right back on his neck and he was safe again. And everyone wanted to burn his idol. Like that was a big thing. They wanted to get rid of his idol and then maybe get out, you know, Kendra, um, or, or Jake or something. And they can't do that. They can't. They can't do that because he has the immunity. Yeah. Um, all right. So we, how did you feel? Let's talk about this really quickly. How did you feel about three people potentially losing their vote? I'm exhausted. I'm going to be so honest. It's like, why? First and foremost, I want to back up and talk about the challenge for a second. There was a show. I can't remember what network it was on. It was called Minute to Win It. And it was not, I want to say it was hosted by like Guy Fieri, but it definitely wasn't. I think it was like Howie Mandel. Okay, that sounds, that sounds more correct. But that show came up with really creative challenges and they only had a minute to complete them, the participants, and they would be using household everyday items. And I'm going to be so transparent. I think that those challenges were much more enjoyable to watch than a lot of the challenges on Survivor 45 and in the new era. My family had parties that were dedicated to Minute to Win It. So maybe I'm a little bit biased. Um, however, I just, I'm not having a fun time watching these challenges. And again, maybe it's because I just finished watching Survivor Exile Island, but there was a challenge where they literally had to run to the jungle and part of it was like, count how many iguanas are in this cage. And although it was absolutely ridiculous, I was like, oh, I haven't seen that before, but I'm just bored watching these challenges. That being said, I've never been the person to really love the challenges on Survivor, but we are not in the heyday of Survivor challenges anymore. Where was the challenge? Where are the challenges from Survivor Palau? Where are the challenges from Survivor Micronesia? And even Cook Islands, which I don't particularly love, but they had great challenges. I'm just bored. Bring back Howie Mandel. Do the minute to win the challenges. Bring back Howie Mandel. That's so funny. No, yeah, I you're 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 preaching to the choir. I 
do not like the challenges. I find them uninteresting. Land a thing on a thing, cross a thing with balancing a thing. Good job. Okay, great. Continue next. You know, like that's unnecessary in my opinion. Um, and I just feel like I didn't even answer your question. Oh, did I have a question? What was your the question, question? Your question was how I felt about the people losing their votes. Oh, that's so but funny. I just went on my my four minute minute to win it ran, and I'm really sorry. Never apologize for talking about minute to win it. Never. <laughs> this is actually now a minute to win it pod. We don't talk about it. Sorry, guys. Sorry. <laughs> um, my answer, I was annoyed. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I was happy that they had the ability to get their votes back. Um, I was worried that they were just going to take them out. Like, no. Um, but it just, you know, why is my only fault. My question, why it just doesn't seem like let the players play. And I know why they did it. They did it because they wanted to keep the vote at nine. Interesting. But unbeknownst to them, they probably made it way more uninteresting by doing that because, you know, it was an easy vote and it maybe would have been an easy vote the other way around. But, you know, I think that they were trying to make it so that it wasn't an easy vote, but sometimes when you mess with something, it makes it that so that people aren't going to do an interesting thing because you messed with it. So don't mm -hmm. mess with it that much. Mm -mm. Um, but you know, we go back to the beach, um, with who was it? Jake drew and D and Jake was just like, you know, happy to be there. He's a free agent. He's, you know, happy-go-lucky um, because only Bello voted for him at the last tribal council, which also I thought was a little sad um, for him. Like, that was like a sad thing for him. Like, only his pre previous tribe mates voted for him. Um, he wanted to, you know, build trust, open things up. But then, you know, Drew and D were like, yeah, okay, well, we're going to do our own thing. We're going to eat all the rice. Jake's not going to get any rice. No rice for you, Jake. Um, they were like, oh, yeah, you can have the burnt ones. <laughs> Jake comes back. Okay, fine. Happy, happy to eat the thing. All the rice is gone. Jake, where do you think the rice went? What would you think if you if they were making rice, you come back and all the rice is gone except for the burnt ends? I'm a cynical, pessimistic person in my day-to-day, -day, let alone a game for a million dollars where everyone is set out to backstab each other. I would be on a war path. Yeah. I am a hungry bitch. And Sandals if someone too. Yeah, exactly. I doesn't even ask to be for a sandwich. Like Austin had good reason to be, you know, on on the war path because of that sandwich, but I would have been on the war path for, you know, a spoon of sugar a la Survivor Game Changers. Yes. Yeah, that was that was brutal. But, you know, Austin I don't think we talked about this, but uh, prior to the challenge, Austin gave Julie one of his idols because they were worried about, you know, the possibility of one person in each, you know, little trio going home. Um, but it was Drew and Dee were talking about playing both idols on Dee and Austin at this thing because everyone would be throwing votes on them. Uh, and then they can use that to take out Kendra instead. I also love, I loved how they were talking about this. Like they were, it was their idols. Yeah. Like those aren't yours. True. Those are Austin's. Austin can mm -hmm. do whatever he wants with them. Um, I kind of feel like Drew feels like he has power over Austin. I feel like Drew, and I could be wrong, but I feel like Drew really feels that that Austin is doing the things that Drew says. Um, 
in a way that like, I think Austin maybe feels like it's a little bit like a partnership and maybe Drew feels like it's a little bit more like I'm telling him to do things and he's doing it kind of a thing. What do you think about that dynamic and and that duo? That's a really astute observation that I hadn't considered because now that you say it, Drew does come across as like, I am the puppet master. He told us day one. He thinks he's a sm- one of the smartest person if people i can't i don't even know what i'm saying i'm clearly not the smartest person to ever talk about survivor but drew once claimed that he was the smartest person to play survivor or something along those lines and i wouldn't be surprised if he thought that he was just stringing austin along and having austin do his bidding for him but it's scary because and i hate to use this comparison because it's now it's going to sound mean but it's like dr frankenstein and his creation when he realizes that his creation is you know stronger and powerful and out of control and he can't control them i think that maybe in the future there will be a point where drew realizes that austin is ready to wield his own power and drew doesn't really have a say in it and i think that could be when austin plays his idol for someone and drew says nope but they've been very much on the same page so far or so it seems um but i think there's going to be a point down the line where they don't and maybe that's going to be an awakening for drew to be like wow i don't really have control of this person like i thought yeah and then also to add on to that like um i totally forgot what i was going to say that was incredible that happened in the blink of an eye that was Almost uh, as fast as as Dr. Frankenstein's creation, which everyone calls Frankenstein, but it's not no, Frankenstein. It's just the creation. Monster. Yeah. And creation, the creation scales a mountain in a split second, as fast as the lightning strikes. Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Go read it. Yeah. Actually, after you watch Survivor Vanuatu, after. go Please read. Please do your homework. Watch Survivor Vanuatu. Read Frankenstein. Yes. Um, okay. I remember what it was. So. I remember I, I was talking, I think it was on a live or somebody, somebody was talking about how they love how Austin is using his kind of like dumb surfer, kind of what Fabio did uh, to his advantage because he was the only one to figure out the math problem, which knowing math does not mean that you're then math, math, being good at math does not mean that you're incredibly astute and very smart. It means you're good at math, right? So he did a problem very well, might I add does not necessarily mean that he is just the most astute player and very smart. But I do think it shows us that what all we've seen really of Austin is sandwich and idols. That's like all we've seen of him in this edit. But I think we saw just for a brief second that he's more than just sandwiches and idols. I'm going to, I'm going to draw a comparison. I think that Austin may be, the new era equivalent to Malcolm Freeberg. I think that they're both good socially. Um, obviously, Malcolm was in a, a different position when he first played Survivor. He was an underdog when he was coming from uh, the tribe that he was on. But I do think they are very well-rounded. They're both likable. Um, as, as one of my good friends likes to say, uh, Austin is a himbo. Um, I'm not sure how Austin feels about that term being used on his behalf, but um, that has been a, a term that's been thrown around in the survivor sphere. Um, smart, good at getting advantages, likable, like kind of the whole package on paper. So what do you think of that comparison? Yeah, I think that's a great, very, yes, I totally agree. Um, and Malcolm is incredibly smart. You know, Malcolm is 
very smart guy. Um, he is, but he's very good socially as well. And I think that's what Austin, I think Austin is, and like we said earlier in the pod, he is playing a great social game. The fact that none of those four people, three people, I guess, are like, hmm, the man with two idols problem. Like the fact that they think that he he's going to play these idols on them, play them for them as a group and not for him, I think is maybe he actually is. Maybe that's just like well, who, who he is, what he's going to do. But I think that that is a great social strategy, great social game. And I would be, you know, interested to, you know, I, I can't wait to see what happens with that because I think it's slowly but surely boiling. We only have four more episodes left this season. So I feel like there's something a little bit there, but let's get to the reward. So the three people who won the challenge, the three people who made it to the end, got to go eat, got to go to the sanctuary where okay things happen. Um, like mediocre things happen where honestly not much happens. Um, like a rotisserie chicken, nothing else. They even get ice water. Like yeah. that's so weird. Um, but Kendra, this part made me very sad. Kendra had chicken for the first time in 15 years. Um, she didn't need to eat chicken. She didn't need to eat it because she was going home in like 10 hours, maybe even less. Yeah. Oh my God. You're I know. So right. I hadn't as even veget- thought of that. As a vegetarian, I went, that's depressing. That's depressing. She went 15 years without eating chicken. Probably wasn't even good. Probably made and they her captured sick. it on camera. Yeah. Probably made her sick. And she could have just gone to ponderosa and eated as much other food as she wanted uh made me upset yeah very very sad sorry um i know right but you know we we got a little bit more emotional things from bruce uh he was talking a little bit about how he felt and then kendra expressed her nervousness which this is one of the things that i don't love about these sanctuary things is i uh, in new era survivor is i feel like in prior seasons kendra and Bruce would have walked off and talked about things by themselves. But I feel like whenever we go to these sanctuaries, they feel the need to bring everybody in and have everyone feel included. When I think that that was the wrong choice. Maybe actively the wrong choice for D. How do you, you know what I mean? How they used to like, you know, split up, right? Didn't they sometimes, didn't people used to do that? Yeah, definitely. There were private conversations that were had at rewards. I mean, there were instances where idols were shown or spread to each other during rewards. Um, rewards did sometimes require you to be with people the whole time, but there were a lot of instances where rewards could be whatever you wanted to be. And it sort of, sort of feels like, and I know it is a set, but it feels like that um, the sanctuary is just a set. And you're yeah. on stage and you have to stay there the whole time until the scene is over. And then once you step off that stage, you go right onto the boat and you go back to camp. And it's like, let them actually explore and do their thing. I don't yeah. know. And also, why not go get a sponsorship from like Applebee's again? Make it more exciting. Get Please. some. I think that if they really want to get people excited about the sanctuary, not just give them food. Give them food that like means something. If you want a brand deal and you want more money so you can fucking leave Fiji, maybe give them an incentive and get more money from a brand deal. Um, And like, I don't know. Yeah. Make it food that people are excited about. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, make it fun. I mean, we're still talking about when – what's her name was like – What did Karishma. she say? Karishma, when she was like talking about Applebee's or was it Applebee's or was it, it was Applebee's, right? 
you know, I try and block out IOI, but I think it might've been. I think it was, and I've never seen somebody so excited in their entire life. And that is still talked about to this day. Part of me feels like in this new era of survivor, they're trying to be like more pure, be like, Oh, we don't have any sponsorships. We're just here for survivor. And it's like, fuck that. Yeah. Yeah. Because the Charmin. Yeah. Bring in the Charmin, um, the Casa del Charmin that they had on survivor exile Island that Bruce and, and Bob dog got drunk in and fell asleep in like, Bring the Casa del Charmin, bring the Home Depot, bring all of that, bring Pantene. I don't know if that was a thing, but I feel like it was. Bring like, yes, bring Target, bring all of it. Yeah. I say go for it. But honestly, it might be the fact that those, all of those brands are like, oh, that show's still on. I know, maybe. They're (laughs) lame. We don't like them. I don't like them anymore. I'm, I I hate them all now. Um, But I, I bring this all up to say that Kendra then talks with Julie right there how she feels about old Reba and how Julie and she asks about the four, which is just such a scary thing to do when you think that like they're so close. And that just really like made me incredibly nervous. And Julie was like, you know, I feel like I'm at the bottom. I feel like I need to make a move at some point. Um, and I'm pretty sure Kendra specifically brings up Dee's name, correct? Yes. And Julie goes back and tells Dee. And that's kind of the, that's, that's it. That's all she wrote for Kendra. Um, she's nervous about Dean Austin's connection and Julie, um, you know, totally understands that D may or may be a threat, but she, D's, she's never going to write D's name down. I mean, and so just saying all of the stuff to D's number one, um, is not helping Kendra's game. Um, Bruce thinks tribal lines are gone. That's hysterical. Uh, his tribal lines are gone. Reba's are not. Reba's are very much still there. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're willing to vote Jake. But, you know, I just, you know, th- I, I I just wish that they could have, like, uh, I just wish. I wish so much that Bello could have done something else. But, you know, we're here. It's okay. We'll move on. <laughs> um, We go on the journey. Journey is happening. Um. They have to regain their vote. Um, they follow a path. I'm glad. I was worried when I saw that. I thought it was going to be random. I thought it was going to be like, okay, you lose one, you get it, whatever. I'm glad that they, you know, had some agency. Uh, and it was a logic math puzzle that they had to complete in three minutes. Um, were you tricked about the hourglass in the title sequence? Absolutely. Yeah. The Survivor I- 41 hourglass is honestly incredibly triggering and not if just if your name is sydney siegel but it's triggering for many people myself included yeah yeah i think that they were rude to put that do that to us i think that they were rude to do that to us um and i'll never forgive them they don't care they're gonna do what they want anyway they're gonna do whatever they want but like it's just like they go from actively i don't know like showing us the shot in the dark like die in the thing so that we know it's going to be played and whatever. And then they just go and show us an hourglass randomly when it has nothing to do with anything. Like show us a rotisserie chicken. I don't know. Like (laughs) that the rotisserie chicken had as much to do with that episode, maybe more than that hourglass did. You're, you are a hundred percent right. And I just had a brilliant idea when I think rotisserie chicken, I think Costco. And I think that they should have a sponsorship with Costco. And they could do so much with that. That's not just food. That's literally anything and everything. 
that is anything and everything in big quantities. And what would incentivize a starving person? A large quantity of food, a $1.50 hot dog and a drink, a chicken bake, a mango smoothie, all of the above. I'm getting excited just talking about it. Yes. Survivor Costco co- collab right now, yes. right now. ASAP. I love that. <laughs> That reminds me also something that I wish this I'm going, going way back to the auction, something that I wish that they would do when you're watching the auction in, um, the dirty 30, um, they had somebody like bought themselves out of the auction. What was his name? Uh, and he went back and he got like a little like stash of food, bring back the stash of food Mm. that you could like keep for yourself. That's an interesting thing that I think would be a really interesting thing to win at an auction or like get yourself voted out of get, get yourself kicked out of the auction. Just bring back a stash of food as a reward as whatever. Mm. I think that that's something. Okay. I think that's Sorry. a great idea. They should do I, that. And they should also one off bring back exile Island and say, you win this, you get to banish or yeah, you win this reward or this, this item, you uncover it. You're banished to exile Island. Jeff, I didn't even think we had exile Island anymore. Get on the boat. Get on the boat. <laughs> Bye. Did I stutter? Please leave. Absolutely. Um, okay, so as we know, Austin gets his vote back. He successfully gets the puzzle, um, whereas Katora and Emily fail to solve it. So neither of them have a vote. So now at final nine, there are only seven votes available. So that having a four-person voting block means that you have the majority. Um, Austin, are you wild yeah but can we just talk about emily for a second i know i just want to give her a hug i know but arithmetic is not the same thing as like looking at the greater picture oh my gosh no what she does i mean she was so sad those two things are not inherently connected and i think people conflate the two and as someone who has taken graduate coursework in statistics just because i can math the math and do some code and do like mixed models in in stats or like calculus doesn't mean that i can do mental math in my head or doesn't mean that i can like put numbers together spatially in my brain that's just not how my mind works so i really felt for her because i'm like I know that feeling. I'm competent at doing certain things that some people would consider advanced in math. But at the same time, like you expect me to, you know, what's the square root of 37? Like, I, I can't do that. Yeah. Um, and I and I felt for Emily. And also the fact that they gave him the worst chalk possible. Why was the chalk this big to write on something that was like this thin? Like as somebody who hates chalk, um, I would refuse to solve the puzzle just because of the chalk that they gave me. Like give them a regular chalk. Why are why, these, why sidewalk chalk? Why the chonky chalk? Why the chalk? Why the chonky chalk? Yep, that make it go viral, people. Hashtag <laughs> why the chonky chalk. Um, but seriously, I did think that in the moment. I was like, that's a rude thing to do. Just give them a regular chalk. What the heck? Um, okay. So they go back, and then Austin tells everyone that he also lost his vote. So, you know, interesting lie. 10 out of 10. I kind of love that. Um Julie told Dee about the conversation with, uh, you know, Kendra and Bruce admitted to the willingness to vote Jake. Julie really wants Jake out. Julie really wants Jake out because Julie, Jake wrote down Julie's name and said it in front of everybody. And she wants Jake out because of that. She has obviously not yet been successful. And I think that shows her stance in the read before. What do you think about that? I think that a hundred percent affects things. I feel like Julie 
wanted to con- have some control for once. And I think that D has been incredibly domineering in some ways, which I'm a fan of when people are able to play out front. And I think also historically in Survivor, when we think people playing out front, we think men. So I love that we can have some diversity in our players in their their strategies and their way to maneuver the game. And I think it's awesome because I think we're getting more diversity in that way. However, I think that it doesn't satisfy Julie as someone who's part of an alliance to say like, no, this is not what we're going to do. Why not? Okay. Do we really think that Kendra's going to win immunity next week? No offense. Maybe she could. Who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. But there's going to be oppor- there's going to be another opportunity to get Kendra out, in my opinion. And I think that this was just D being really, really adamant for not really the best reason. Like, why? Why does it have to be what you want? Why don't you want to like satisfy your number two? Yep. Can, can you totally. think of any like instances of when? people in Survivor have satisfied their number two or like gone with a plan that they didn't originally want and it still ended up working out for them in in the end? I can't think of anything specifically, but I definitely feel like that has happened many times before. I don't know. I feel like, I I feel like something happened with San Juan del Sur and, uh, and maybe, maybe, maybe Natalie and um, what's her name? But I, I don't know. I definitely, I mean, I feel like the, the point of an alliance, a very good alliance is give and take, especially down you know down the line you give a little you get a little and uh and i feel like the fact that julie has been trying to get jake out for what three episodes now and it hasn't been able to go her way i think it's a red flag for julie another red flag when in terms of three before let me just say is emily thinking that it's jake and then drew letting it almost seemed like it was he let it slip that it was actually going to be kendra and emily just did not know had no idea that that was the case. Um, that also should be a red flag for Emily, in my opinion. Yeah, I completely agree. There right. there have been enough signs for Emily to be like, mm, maybe this isn't the best for me. Yeah, and I really hope we see something about that next episode. I, In that moment, I think if Emily had her vote, I think that maybe she realized that, you know, there's something off with her not knowing. And I think if maybe she had her vote, we would have seen a little bit of maneuvering on her part, maybe trying to get being like, hey, you know, I was with them, but I'm clearly their, their number five. Let's band together and figure something out. Maybe I could be wrong, but I just, I think that that should have been a huge red flag for her. Um, And, you know, we all know that, you know, D is able to get her way as she should. Good for her. That means she has good social capital uh, that she's able to kind of maneuver what she wants. Um, But D was getting paranoid, which made Drew paranoid. Um, and it, and you know, they, they, they always do this. They leave it up in the air before they go to tribal council. What's it going to be? What's it going to be? Um, and then we go to tribal council. We, we get to see the most iconic jury so far, you know, just like 10 out of 10s on that jury continuing. Um, and Jeff talks about Kelly's blind side and it being one of the biggest blind sides of all time. And maybe not even the biggest blind side, but one of the biggest reactions. It was huge. Like that reaction, I, I have nightmares about because it just makes me so sad. Um, and, you know, Kendra's talking about how Kelly was her first friend in the game. Um, and Dee said, it shows that anyone can go home at any time. And when she said that, I almost was like, oh my God, is it going to be Dee? <laughs> uh, there was just a moment where I was like, oh my God, are they going to do it? do this to us again? Um, it wasn't obviously, um, but I do feel like D's days are limited. I kind of feel like she's gone next 
or she wins. She's still my winner pick. She's still your winner pick? It's I, I, I've committed to this train, and I'm not getting off. And um, I could shake things up if I wanted to and, you know, send three people to to tribal or three people lose their votes or whatever um, if this was my survivor. But um, I've decided that I'm I'm sticking on the D train, even if things are getting a little wonky. Yeah. Because I would love a dominant female winner. Yes. Yes. thought it was going to be Kelly. But um, I would I would freaking love that. I mean, I also I would love to see Emily win, too. I would be so here for that, too. True. Um, but I thought we had an interesting moment in this tribal where uh, uh, who was it? it was Drew talking um, about, you know, we, it could be three votes. It could be two votes. It could be one vote. And Kendra goes, oh, my God. People maybe lied. <laughs> and I was like. Wait, that's that's so that's so me. That's so me. Like she had a, a real realization right there at Tribal Council that, oh my God, maybe somebody has their vote. And I think kind of in that moment, Kendra knew that she was going home. Yeah. I really enjoy Kendra as a person. And I'm starting to think that as a player, she doesn't make it past the merge. I don't think she makes it towards the, the late game for the most part, because I think she's a person that has good reads sometimes, but plays very emotionally and isn't incredibly perceptive from a strategic standpoint. And maybe in like an older season, she could have filled like a Courtney Merritt type of 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 niche. Um, maybe not as as you know outlandish and kooky, but um I don't necessarily see if we simulated this season a hundred times or any survivor season a hundred times that Kendra was in, I don't necessarily see her making it to um, the late game or winning. And I think that this instance kind of explains my reasoning because it's kind of like, what, what did you, you didn't, you didn't think about this yeah. at all. I don't know. You, why didn't you doubt these people even a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. That was um, an interesting moment for sure. For sure. And it was just, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know how I would have reacted in the moment, but I don't feel, I mean, I feel like you should think that anyone's lying at any point in time. Like it's survivor. I feel like everyone is, has the ability to lie at any point in time. Um, and so that was very shocking. Um, but, and then we, we get to the vote, right? Speaking of lying, we get to the vote and Austin goes up and he's like, I have to do this fast because he lied about not having his vote. So he had to make sure that he did it really quickly so that people didn't know, which I thought was really a funny, you know, moment. Um, and I don't think people are going to find out that Austin voted if they were not in the four. So I think this is another moment in time where Austin is getting away with not voting or voting um, because people weren't, you know, just don't know. Right. Cause in the, in the Caleb uh, safe safety thing, which, what you call it. Um, he didn't vote and I think he got away with it then too. Yeah. Major props to Austin again. Yeah. I feel like he is capitalizing on this and it's very impressive. I'm very impressed by Austin. Yeah. He's yeah. I totally agree. Very impressive. But we sadly see Kendra go third member of our jury. Um, so we've got now one Lulu and two bellows on the jury. Um, and it just, you know, very, I was very sad to see her go. I was, it wasn't so before we get into our next ad break, let, what are your thoughts on this episode as a whole? <clears throat> I would say it was lukewarm. 
which is even worse than being a flaming pile of garbage because I would have really strong opinions about a flaming pile of garbage. But I was just sort of, eh, shoulder shrug. Maybe this is one of those those episodes that serves as connective tissue to bring us to really important episodes. And we came back from a really impactful episode. And, you know, every episode can't be the most entertaining, bombastic, crazy thing we've ever seen in the world. And that's okay. But I think that the reason why I'm a little bored by this episode is the fact that we got some crazy twist on top of everything else. And it's like, just let the room breathe for an episode. Like, it doesn't have to be the bells and whistles every time, especially if the bells and whistles are the same things that we ever, we've seen every single time. It's like you add some crazy spice to it, to something you cook or you add some MSG and everyone's like, oh my God, this is amazing. It tastes so good. But like, you can't do it every time. Mm-hmm. You can't do it every time. Stop pulling out all the stops every single time because people expect it and it won't be as memorable or special when it happens. Thank Agreed. you. I off, my, off my... Off my box now. Now you could be on there as long as you want because I totally, I totally agree with you a thousand percent. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that every episode is going to be a 10 as it shouldn't or else all the 10s, if everything was a 10, then it wouldn't really be a 10. It would just be, you know, the norm. I would say if you watch Australian Survivor and you watch, you know, uh, last season where George was at, George was being George, but after a point in time, it's like, okay, I'm sick of this. Let's just continue, continue yeah. on. Um, but before we get into our ad break, everyone uh, coming up, we are going to do our award season with our social butterfly and the driver of the social struggle bus. So uh, while we are doing the ads, make sure you think about who you would award that. And if you're watching here live on either TikTok or on any of the StreamYard, Twitter, wherever this is, YouTube, uh, make sure to let us know in the comments who you would award the social butterfly and the driver of the social struggle bus. Um, As well, if you have any final questions about the episode, let us know in the chat while this um, ad break is coming, but we'll be back in just a couple of seconds. What's up, guys? I'm Todd Herzog, the winner of Survivor China, and I want to welcome you to Todd's Pop Shop. Here, me and my husband, Jess, we custom make Funko Pops. We'll make literally anybody or anything you could imagine. But being that we're here listening to the Survivor Now podcast, I'm assuming you're all Survivor fans. So take a look at these, some custom Funkos of your favorite Survivor winners, Sandra and Yule. Or how about Big Brother fans? Suri Goddess herself playing the game of Big Brother. You can also get her in Survivor form. Or maybe yourself with your favorite buff and a torch playing the game. But even better, get yourself with your favorite player like Nora here with Ozzy. And since you're listening to the Survivor Now podcast, if you mention this ad, you will get $10 off your first order and free shipping. All season long, Survivor 45 should be a good one. Mention this ad, $10 off and free shipping. I'll be watching too, still a diehard fan to this day. Hit me up on Instagram, Todd's Pop Shop, or Todd's Pop Shop at gmail.com, or on Facebook, and I will see you soon. All right, we're back. So it's time for award season. I hope everyone thought about these awards and who they want to give them to. Um, so first and foremost, David, who are you going to award your social butterfly award and why? Whew. This is a really tough question, but I think I think I'm going to give it to Austin. Why? I just think that he's in such a good position. And although I didn't necessarily love his like 
I just went H through HR orientation, so I'm going to respond to Emily about her her question in a very polished and and sanitized way. Um, it's what this cast needs to hear. It's what these people like, and I think that's what's working for him. And I know it's more of a strategic decision for him not to um, not to share that, or yeah, not to share that he he got his vote back. But I really liked the decision for him to give an idol to Julie. I think Julie is not his number one person. We know his number one person to be Drew. But the fact that he can see value and the other people in his alliance and is willing to really put himself on a limb out on a limb for that person in Julie is huge. And I think that wins some social capital. And I think that if even if it didn't work out and Julie gets eliminated and she's on the jury, I think she would vote for Austin just based on the fact that she would say, wow, he really was willing to put himself out there for me. Yeah, I was shocked because I was thinking the exact same thing. And I kind of and I and I, I feel like when it gets to this point in the game, everyone should be winning this award like this should in theory there should be an argument for every single person out there because i think when you make it this far you you should you should not always have but you should have a really good social game because we are so close to the end that you have to be thinking about journey management and you have to be thinking about all of that stuff and i think if you're not then you're not playing survivor properly so i think that in a in a good season of survivor there should be an argument for pretty much every single person out there to win this award um, I was wavering between um, Austin and Emily. Austin, for all of the reasons you mentioned, and I was actually going to go Austin, and I'll probably still go Austin, but I was thinking Emily because I feel like she has was approached with information a couple of times. Obviously, she went to people with information and, and with thoughts, but um, I think she is in with Drew a lot. And I think the fact that Drew told her this, I do think that, you know, she realized why didn't I know this information ahead of time, but I think, but all of that to say, I do think Austin gets it for all of the reasons you said. Um, I think, I think, you know, he's playing not that we're really seeing the social game. They're really only showing us the fact that he has idols and that he, you know, had a sandwich, but also the fact that he was able to complete his sandwich revenge. That's a good social game. I agree. That's Chomp, a good chomp. Game. Exactly. So could not agree more. All right. So driver of the social struggle, struggle bus, the person that should be, maybe has to work on their social game a little bit more, maybe a lot more, depending on, you know, the season, who it is, who, who are you thinking, David? I think this might be low hanging fruit, but I think I'm going to go for Jake. Because I don't think Bruce and then you his social capital did not improve this episode. No. Al although they would have liked to go for Bruce to get his idol out, that was for a, a strategic reason. And I don't think that Bruce is really gaining traction in a social standpoint, but he did show some reflection and he finally came to an epiphany and had some realizations about, you know, maybe I'm not playing this game the best. Really got deep with his personal life as well. And I appreciate that introspection. So I couldn't give it to Bruce for that reason. But I think that Jake having moments where he's like, oh, I can't believe I'm still in this game. I totally get why he's saying that. And if I was in his position, I would probably say the same thing. But the fact that he's in that position and he's not busting his ass to try and do something about it from what I'm seeing. I don't know. Everyone, no one really takes him seriously at this point. And at this point, like, it's kind of low hanging fruit, but I'm going to have to say Jake. 
I, I kind of agree with you. Um, I was actually thinking slightly different. Um, not because I, I think Jake's a really good answer, but I'm going to have to say Julie. Hmm. And the reason I say Julie is because she's been going for Jake for multiple episodes and she doesn't seem to have the, whether it be social connection or the ability to convince people to get Jake out, whatever it is, she has been doing this a couple of times and it just not going her way. Hmm. I think that, you know, she was given some information from Kendra, but I don't think that that shows Julie's social strategy. I just think that that was a mistake from Kendra rather than it being like a good move that Julie got that information from Kendra. Um, and, and I just, I don't know. And, and there's something about, you know, Julie's social strategy specifically within the Reba four, where I feel like it's not, you know, not all there. And I'm worried that it's going to come and bite her in the end. Um, yeah. not the best explanation I've ever had, but I just, I don't know the fact that she's been going for one person for a couple of days and people just not see the benefit to, you know, going with her for just this one vote or being like, okay, we'll put my thoughts aside and, you know, go with that. I think that that's not good. That's not a good reflection on your social game. Personally. I agree. I think that speaks to the fact that people are keeping her around as a number, yeah. but they don't necessarily respect her enough to honor her decisions. And I think that, again, part of it is the fact that D is very headstrong and adamant on the plan that she wants to go yeah. with. But I, I do, again, think that it's part of the fact that they don't really think that, yeah, they don't value Julie in the way that val they need to for uh, Julie's plans to really follow through. So that's a that's a good choice as well. I can't I can't blame you for that choice in the least. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like I feel like this was. We have to have a couple of dud episodes, and I feel like this is this is this is one of them. Um, but very sad to see Kendra go. I was also incredibly sad when she got up and no one hugged her. I know. How can you not hug the Drew Barrymore of Survivor? What? Maybe she said like, "Don't get up" or something. They just didn't show it. But like, that part really upset me. Really upset me. It Weird really thing. upset me. And you know what? I immediately thought of. I thought. Kendra, Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore in 51st Dates. 51st Dates, Adam Sandler, I want to say. Adam yep. Sandler, the movie where uh, he was featured in Survivor on South Pacific. Survivor. Uh, Jack and Jill. Jack and Jill. Yes, Jack and Jill. Bring back a movie reward. Bring <gasps> back a movie reward. Even if it's an old movie, even if it ends up being Frank Garrison and and Brandon sitting watching a movie together really uncomfortably bring back a movie reward why didn't they do it last season literally last season was the dungeons and dragons thing dungeons and dragons was done <sighs> by paramount plus why wasn't there a pre-screening of dungeons and dragons you it know that it would have been the best scene ever if we had seen Carolyn and Jam Jam losing their minds over the dungeons and dragons movies and oh my god and it was legitimately a good movie, too. All I'm saying. All I'm saying. Honestly, this what I'm hearing is that if CBS wants to offer us both jobs. After on the show. We, yes. We can usurp the current folks who are in charge of making these decisions. And um, 
the whole world would be better for it. Every yeah, it would be so much better. Everyone would be happy. We would have flying cars. Like it would just be global warming would be done. Would be solved. We would the solve earth will it. heal. Yeah. 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 I agree. I think you're totally right. Absolutely. David, do you have any last thoughts about the episode, about the season, about the players? I can't wait to stop talking about this episode. I could talk to you about Survivor all day, but this episode in particular makes me want to watch paint dry instead. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah, I. it was, you know, it was an episode and we are moving on to the next one on Wednesday. But um, David, before we go, where can people find you? Where can people like uh, follow you, your, your, your thoughts, your life, everything? Yeah. Um, if you want to see me talk about like plant related stuff, follow my Instagram at ecologist David. But if you want to talk survivor stuff, I will be responding to messages and questions on the survivor socialites Instagram page, as well as via email at survivor social pod at gmail.com. So I'd love to talk old school survivor with you, mid school survivor, even new school survivor. I'll talk about it as long as it's not this episode. Um, but yeah, feel free to hit me up there. What about you, Tegwith? Well, we all know um, I have, I don't know if we all know, us two know. Uh, you can follow me on TikTok, Survivor uh, underscore simulation. That's where I do most of my things. Uh, also follow me on Instagram. My Survivor Instagram is just at Tegwith. So you can find me very easily. Uh, just look up my name. Um, and uh, I'm doing some fun things. I've, I've got a, um, you know, partnership with idol plays, the puzzle, um, Russell muscle TV, which is a lot of fun, Uh quick little plug. If anybody wants to have, um, a, you know, great survival puzzle, idol plays is having a third black Friday sale until Monday, I believe maybe Sunday night, um, which is 30% off everything in their store. Wow. Um, there, I'm pretty sure there's usually a link on the survivor social our survivor now YouTube. There's a link on my TikTok page um, to to go to Idle Plays, but they make some really good puzzles, um, like 3D printed Carson level things. Uh, you know, you can practice, get some good practice, and also good gift giving for the holiday season. Um, so I would just hop on that, hop on that sale while that while it's while it's hot, while it's hot. <laughs> um, but other than that, you know, we love talking survivor with all of you out there. So uh, make sure to if you have any questions, anything, just. DM us on TikTok, Instagram, whatever it is. We love talking with you. Um, and uh, don't forget, as always, make sure to like and subscribe to Survivor Now on YouTube and Spotify. And like David said, if you have any questions, if you want any questions to be read on next week's episode, just talk to us about Survivor, whatever it is. Send us a message on our Instagram at Survivor Socialites or our email, uh, SurvivorSocialPod at gmail.com. And we will read them here. But thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, to our episode nine recap. And, uh, you know, we love you guys. Thank you so, so much. Have a great night. Happy holidays. Bye. Bye. Thanks, everyone.